Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards and thank you very much for listening to the last couple of podcasts. We've had a great response to them, especially the one that we did at Altrincham on Tuesday night. They are still available now, so go and subscribe and listen to that to see what all the fuss is about. Joining me on the line to look through all the weekend's results from the National League and the FA Trophy is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hello there, Luke. And also somewhere on the A1, I presume, is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, guys. Yeah, uh, about halfway back down the A1 from uh, from Hartlepool as we speak. Yeah, we're there for footballing reasons, not like romantic reasons or anything, were you? <laughs> Most definitely footballing reasons, and believe me, there was nothing, there was nothing romantic about yesterday. <laughs> so we're going to look at the National League first, and Bromley were the highest placed team who played on Saturday. They're up against Solihull Moors, who were just outside the playoff positions, and it was a two-two draw. And I noticed in that game as well, guys, that a lot of the scoring just came late on. I think it was about the 69th minute before the first goal went in, and then it all kicked off from there, really. Two sides trying to refind their uh, mojo, if you like. Bromley on a wretched run, four straight defeats. Um, desperate to stop the rot. And Solihull Moors, of course, parted with uh, Tim Flowers uh, and Paul McCallum uh, you know, uh, a week or two ago. And uh, yet to yet to decide uh, who's going to be in charge there. So um, a both a couple of clubs up the right end of the table, but a little bit lost. And it was tight and it was tense for a long while. But uh, Solihull Moors fans, players and managers could be forgiven for thinking with uh, two goals after the hour mark that they were going to romp to a nice, easy, comfortable three points. But what they they didn't bargain for was a late rally from Bromley. Thank you, Raymond and. Corey Whiteley getting the goals. Corey Whiteley scoring in the 90th minute. And that is the prime example of when a draw feels like a win for Bromley yesterday. Yeah, because Bromley lost four on the spin up until Saturday with that draw. So like you say, that could really kickstart their season again. For Solihull, it's very Solihull, un-Solihull-like to, to lose a two-goal lead like that. And a win would have taken him into the last playoff place. Yeah, hugely. I remember glancing during the match at the live league table and saw that Solihull was. I thought, what what a prospect for the new manager coming in. You know, how many teams get to pick up the reins of a club when they are sat in a playoff position, you know? Uh, it doesn't happen too often. Uh, but yeah, they slipped away late on and uh, just in and around the bottom end of those playoff positions and just below it, there was a bit of movement yesterday. There was, as as Adam Virgo said last week, it's a it's a great great job for someone to have at Solihull. And Dickie, you have your ear to the ground a lot. Have you heard any rumours regarding the Solihull job? I haven't, n- nothing at all, to be perfectly honest with you. So um, uh, whether they are looking to make an appointment before the end of the season, I think I think that's my reading of it was that, that, that it wasn't necessarily a planned departure. Uh, for Tim Flowers, that things just sort of came to a head. So whether they're just going to allow um, uh, it's Gary Wild, uh, I can't think of who else is assisting him. Uh, James Quinn, uh, whether they're going to allow them the opportunity to sort of see it through to the end of the season and make maybe make an appointment there. But I don't know. Knowing how ambitious Solihull are, that doesn't really seem to fit. I would have thought they would want somebody sooner than that. 
The result of the day, and it's, it had permutations certainly at the bottom of the table, was Chesterfield beating Wrexham. They, they came from behind to win that game, and that is a massive, massive result. And I know I saw on Twitter uh, the Chesterfield fans saying, get a statue up to Curtis Weston because they feel that could be the goal that keeps them up. Even though they're still in the bottom four, it's dragged Wrexham and it's dragged Dagenham. It's even dragged all the shot back into it now. Yeah, it's a huge, huge late winner. I think it's one, you know, as you, if you support or involved with one of the teams around the bottom end, you looked across at that scoreline of two all yesterday and you thought, yeah, that'll do nicely, you know. And then Chesterfield found a way to come up with the winner. I mean, they were 2-1 down with uh, 22 minutes to go, so it's a cracking result. Uh, Mandeville with the vital equalising goal and then Curtis Weston with a a 90-plus-4 winner, I think. And the day had started pretty horribly for them as Wrexham had taken the lead with uh, Will Evans scoring at the wrong end of the pitch. And, uh, you know, that late... Do you remember last season? I know it was very controversial, but that uh, that game between Chesterfield and Ebbsfleet and uh, the, the massive late goal and the late swing for Chesterfield, and it gave them the momentum from which they uh, went on to stay up and... Uh, it, it, it's got little shades of that about it, you know. I'm, I do try and keep an eye on the player movement to and from the National League, but there's one who put uh, Wrexham 2-1 up yesterday who's caught me out a bit. I do not know who Jordan Ponticelli is. Anybody Anybody know who he is? When he, didn't he have his own TV series where he built his own house? Oh, no, it's Petricelli. There we go. <laughs> 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 um, I do know who's it. Coventry, wasn't he, Dickie? I th- he was at Coventry as a youngster, and I don't know if he's on loan at Wrexham from there, but he's certainly ex-Coventry. Uh, yeah, that rings the bell with me, certainly. I hadn't, I hadn't picked up on him either, but... Um, yeah, on loan from Coventry City. There we go. Uh, there we go, yeah. So he's on loan from Coventry, as, as I suspected. So, yeah, it's... Um, I think he's been injured. I think he's lost his way a little bit. So, uh, good signing for Wrexham there, but ultimately couldn't get them the three points. Wrexham, no, do stay out of the, the relegations on the two points above Chesterfield and a point above Dagenham, who got a late, late winner against Stockport County. And what was a topsy-turvy game there? Stockport scored really late on. Yeah, it, it was what looked like a key first goal for Liam McAlinden. And uh, he must have thought he'd scored the winner in the 89th minute. But uh, Chike Candy had something to say about that, a late level of... Uh, for Dagenham. They've shown a bit of spirit with uh, a couple of late goals and come back. Keeps things really, really tight for Dagenham. I think their late conceding of an equaliser and uh, and Chesterfield's late winner just keeps, as you say, all those teams down there in the bottom half on their toes. Yeah, it was a cheeky goal as well because it kept Dagenham out of the relegation zone. They had dropped into it with Chesterfield's win. So a vital goal uh, by Cheeky Candy down there in East London. Stockport stay in 11th place. Uh, the other game in the National League was one that obviously Rob was wants to forget, really. It was uh, Hartlepool against Aldershot. And take it away, Rob, if you can bear it. Just one of those days you have to suck it up, Luke. And everybody listening to this podcast will know. Um, I have to commentate on Aldershot. And I have to call it as it is. And what I had to call out yesterday was probably the most spineless first-half performance I've seen for them in a very long time. Uh, well, not very long, but uh, as far back as that Dagenham defeat anyway. Um, it was really, really disappointing because it came on the back of a run of just one defeat in eight games. 
It also turned out to be a wretched day for the shots because they lost top scorer Mo Betterman to what looked like a rather worrying ankle injury. He couldn't put any weight on it and he was stretched off before half-time. Um, but let's draw a line under Aldershot Town there. I know that's my team, but I really want to emphasise just how impressed I was with the feel about the place yesterday, Victoria Park. Um, and, and that started with a chat with uh, the Hartlepool media manager prior to the game, Mark Simpson. Joined pre-match here at uh, Victoria Park for NL full-time by the Hartlepool media manager, Mark Simpson. Mark, great to uh, see you again. I, I, I guess there's been a little bit of improvement um, on the pitch, a couple of places higher than than, than previously, but uh, it's it's work in progress, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. Dave Challenge made quite a lot of changes in personnel uh, on the pitch since he, since he arrived at the club, and um, today is probably... Um, one of the strongest teams he's sort of like he's lined up since he's been here. You know he's had a, a chance to, to play with things during the week with no midweek games, and he's made a couple of changes. But uh, as you say, things seem to be heading in the right direction. Bill uh, Ben Killip comes back into goal as we were just saying off air. I hadn't yeah. realised he'd been out of the side. How long was he out of the side? Yeah, I think he's probably missed about six or seven games. Mitch Beanie came in in his place after Ben made a, a bit of a rick in one of our home games uh, earlier in the year, but. Uh, He's back in this afternoon. I'm sure he'll be looking forward to it because he had a, a heck of a game down at Aldershot earlier in the season. So he'll want to try and do that again, I'm sure, this afternoon. Luke Molyneux, highly thought of by the club, was really going great guns until his injury. And he'll make his first start this afternoon back for, after that. Yeah, Luke was magnificent in pre-season. He really was a different level in our friendly games. I know we were playing against opposition that were further down the pyramid, but Luke was uh, absolutely torturing people. He, he picked up an injury, ironically, in a challenge against a former Hartlepool player in uh, Paddy McLaughlin down at York City in one of our final pre-season friendlies and the injury just wouldn't go away, it needed a surgery um, he's been back from the bench in the last sort of five or six weeks but uh, the fans are absolutely buzzing to see him back out there because he's the kind of player who can make a difference um, and, and you know him and Jimmy Touré this afternoon gives us a lot of flair, a lot of pace um, and hopefully uh, the ability to, to, to cut open the, uh, the visiting defence and uh, Harker up front on loan from Burnley what can you tell us about him? Well we don't know an awful lot he came on as a substitute last week in a game at, uh, at Barnet when we were down to 10 men for the last half hour as well which made things difficult but he's a big strong lad I think he's uh, best part of 6 foot 5 he's very highly thought of at, uh, at Burnley he came through the ranks with Bury before he went to Burnley but he, he's coming in he's only a young lad I think he's still only 19 20 coming up actually I think but he's physical, he's got a good touch, he knows where the net is, his record isn't uh, too bad, he's been a regular in the under-23s at Burnley, and I think he's just been given the nod this afternoon because Aidan Keenan took a bit of a knock earlier in the week, and I think there's just maybe a mind to, to just protect uh, Aidan a, a little bit this afternoon. Final question from me has to be this one. Now, I know you're, you're employed by the club, so you've got to be politically correct with your answers, <laughs> but um, what feels different, if anything, so far uh, under the reign of Dave Challoner? Uh, I think Dave Challoner is very into um, the athleticism side of things, whereas perhaps previous managers have been a little bit more about the flair side of things and and, and that side of the game. Uh, Dave Challoner is very into his you know his fitness, his athleticism. He wants to, his side to play in a particular way. He wants to be very aggressive as well going forward. He, he plays expansive football. I mean, in, in the early part, in fact, his first game at Yeovil, we were 4-1 up with 15 minutes to go and he brought on another striker. So he's very uh, attack-minded. Um, he doesn't mind taking risks. 
Um, and I say they're, they're the main differences, you know, since I think the players will tell you the same. They know the Tuesday training sessions have become fairly uh, infamous now among the lads because he works the lads hard. He wants to maybe have that extra edge athletically and, and that's where he wants to go with his squad building towards next season. There you go, that's Terror Tuesdays from Mark Simpson. I saw your interview with <laughs> Dave Jelena. And that was Mark Simpson and, and many thanks for his, uh, his hospitality to Rob and the NL full-time team uh, up at Victoria Park on Saturday. As for the game itself, well, apparently all the shots game plan was to keep it tight early on and maybe a bit, bit more expansive later. Uh, Hartlepool had a different plan and uh, after a fairly tepid first four or five minutes with their very first attack, they scored one of the easiest goals that Luke Molyneux will ever score. Uh, and a joyous goal it was too because he's been out for a very long time he's highly thought of he's come off the bench a few times but he started yesterday and he scored within five and a half minutes um, he was also temporarily at least credited with the second goal but I'm glad to say my ageing eyesight stood firm yesterday and I called it right it was Mark Shelton with a stooping header from a corner that doubled the lead after that well a bit of spirit and a bit of rally from shots in the second half a couple of decent efforts no more than that. And Hartlepool with three or four good counter-attacks from which they should have increased the margin of their victory. Uh, they didn't, however. Um, and uh, after the game, I caught up with the victorious manager, Dave Challoner. I'm joined at Victoria Park by uh, the victorious manager, Dave Challoner. Dave, we last caught up with you uh, for the NL Full-Time Podcast, I think, clutching that uh, FA Trophy at Wembley. A lot's happened since then, Dave, hasn't it? Obviously, you're at Hartlepool now, and you couldn't rule out another trip to the Twin Towers. You're, you're, you're three points off the playoffs. We'd certainly take that as it, as it stands. Um, I suppose some games are running out a little bit. We've I think 12 games left now. We probably need to win, win eight, but we've got a shot. Um, and the nature of this league, with individual games in essence being 50-50 every week will always give you that chance um, so it's something we strive to do it's about improving and I, I suppose even if this season isn't a, a successful one in terms of being the outcome that everybody who starts the season wants it to be mm-hmm. it's about moving forward and preparing yourself for um, for next season and, and, and fingers crossed trying to get the club back to where in my opinion it deserves to be I saw one of your pre-match uh, interviews this week and you talked a lot about getting the crowd on side, the players giving them something. In the first couple of minutes, it wasn't quite that today, but by 20 minutes, it was exactly what you were looking for, wasn't it? Took your two first chances, 2-0 up. Yeah, listen, we, we know that, especially playing here, if we can keep them in the, or get them in the game as quickly as possible, it's going to give us a, a distinct advantage. What they do beyond that is then, is then keep that going. Um, because in fairness, they're probably... The second 25 minutes of the or second 20 minutes of the first half, they could quite easily have switched off, but they don't. They keep going. They keep um, they keep each other going in that space in that far corner. Um, and, and like I say, it's, it's important that, that we give them something to something to cheer about and try and make it as exciting as, as we can, because we'd be it would be sort of remiss of us to not try and take advantage of what is such a um, a, a big plus in terms of this football club and um, an advantage that we have over lots of lots of clubs at, at this level. So they've been, like I say, since I've come in, they've been absolutely brilliant. Um, and I do see it as, like I say, as our responsibility as a as a staff and as a as a, as a squad of players to um, to give them something to, to shout about. And, and I know they'll they'll back us to the to the 90th minute. 
How hard is it managing the mentality of footballers, Dave? I'll give you an example, and I'm not picking on them, but Aldershot last week, outstanding against Harrogate. In second place in the league, they get a one-all, and they'll be the first to admit they come here to Hartlepool today, and, and, and they just weren't on it. Yeah, it, it, listen, it's really difficult, and I, and I suppose without being too critical, it's the reason why players are, are at this level, and it's the reason why this division is is so open. Um, you look at you look at the league, and you'll it's sometimes it's difficult to say the best team will will get promoted, the best team will win the league. It'll be the most consistent team wins the league, and that's that's always the always the way it's been. And you're not going to go through the, the season undefeated. A lot of it is if you do have a setback, it's how um, how quickly you bounce back from that and not losing consecutively. And ultimately, which team can put the most consistent, not so much winning run together, but undefeated run together. And that's why Barrow are sat where they are. I think the, the game, previous to me coming to the club, I think we beat them at, at their place. Um, from that, I think they went probably maybe 90 games or so um, where they didn't where they didn't lose um, and that's put them in a position that you look at it now and although the, like I said there's the uh, disparities in the league in terms of inconsistencies and up and downs it, for my opinion it's it's theirs to lose really they're at the I think six or seven po- points clear with potentially a game at hand or so um, but they deserve to be there based on the fact they've been really really consistent from for every manager especially at this level that is the the ultimate question how you do get that consistency of performance and how you do get that, that consistency of, of result because there's a different challenge every week like you say in, in terms of the personnel you come up against the opposition their philosophy and how they play the weather conditions it's for the, over the last few years, me coming this this division, it was the, the challenge I needed as a coach and as a manager. Like I say, from um, it's one thing that is a really, really big frustration, but I suppose it's why we do it. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thanks for joining us. Good luck for the Cheers. rest of the season. And maybe we'll see you at Wembley. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so that was Dave Challoner, and he's quietly going about his business, Rob. They're in 10th now. They're a, they're a point off Solihull, so only three points off the playoffs, and the They've only lost one of their last five and he's doing a very good job there, Challoner. Yeah, I'm always impressed with him. As I mentioned in the interview, he's always got good results against uh, Aldershot. And I really like the way he answered my question about, well, maybe we'll see you again next at Wembley. He didn't poo-poo it. He didn't dampen down um, any expectations. He thought he sort of went with it. He said, well, why not? That'd be lovely. We'd love to do that. And... Uh, he hasn't ruled it out, but I think in his next answer you could see that uh, they may they may be coming up just shy this year. They may be running out of games with the 12 games left. But you know what? This this league is there. Um, you know, we know what a run of three or four wins does, and they're not far off. Three points off with 12 games to go. There's absolutely no way uh, that Dave Challoner has, uh, has given up the playoff chase. As a little aside, boys, I, I, I had to take the opportunity while I could Nothing really to do with the game itself yesterday, but uh, I spotted uh, Hartlepool forward uh, Gav Houlihan uh, in the media box. He was suspended from uh, the game the previous week when he got two yellows. And uh, rather an interesting story about what he's doing up that neck of the woods. So I had a little chat with him, and here it is. I'm joined for the NL full-time podcast here at Halftime Victoria Park with Hartlepool 2-0 up and looking very, very good for it, actually, uh, against Aldershot Town. I'll grab a quick word with uh, Gavin uh, Houlihan, um, who's unfortunately suspended from 
today's game. Uh, Gav, just touch on that one. Uh, it was two yellows, wasn't it, at Barnet last week? Yeah, two yellows. Um, yeah, just, look, no real complaints for myself. Just just um, a bit silly for myself to, to make make a, a tackle when I was already on a booking. Um, possibly I could have maybe got another warning off the, off the ref. You know, I think I made two tackles all game and got two yellows for it, so... From that, re- that, that respect is probably a bit disappointing but um, yeah look it is what it is and just got to learn from it then Frustrating for you because you've been in some good form this season of 8 or 9 goals in all competitions you're enjoying yourself in your football here at Hartlepool Yeah really enjoying it loving it um, you know I was getting a good run in the team so obviously I'm disappointed from that respect and hopefully I, I, I can do enough now or hopefully I've done enough to hopefully get back into the team as soon as possible and uh, for our listeners, just tell us a little bit more about uh, how this Irishman's, uh, what he's doing up in the northeast of England. <laughs> yeah, well, um, originally my partner, she's from Hull, um, so I'm living in Hull at the moment. Um, so I met her when I was 16, moved, moved back home to Ireland. I played for a few clubs back home in Ireland. And obviously the, the aim was to always get back over here and obviously settle down and make roots over here. So, um, yeah, I signed last about this time last year came back over signed for Hartlepool just a short deal until the end of the season and obviously earned myself a new deal for this season so um, yeah that's about it change of manager since you arrived that's always a a worrying time for a player when a different manager's brought them in but uh, you, you you continued in good form under Dave Challenge yeah obviously we had the with the chain September time I think it was um, and obviously since the gaffers come in he's you know obviously shown, shown belief in me and Obviously, I seem to be doing something right because he's, he's giving me a good run in the team, which I obviously appreciate. So I just need to keep um, keep cracking on and keep um, keep playing well. Great to have a chat with you and good luck for the rest of the season. And and that was Gav Houlihan. And I suppose the big thing for Hartlepool, Rob, is like I say, even if they don't make the playoffs or don't make Wembley, the big thing for them this year is to get the feel-good factor back at the place, I think, isn't it? Yeah, very definitely. Um it's a big club at that level, big crowd, and they've been used to hard times too long, and Dave Challenger wants to change that. He wants an atmosphere of expectation, an atmosphere that lifts the players, and, and, and he wants the players to lift the fans, and, and I completely understand that. They've got a little bit of strength in depth as well. Obviously, Luke Mullen, you coming back, will feel like a, a new player coming in. Gus is a very strong, solid midfielder um, at this level, and he had to be content coming off the bench yesterday. Um, so, if, if I've got any doubts about Hartlepool pushing on and making those playoffs, it's probably about their goal-scoring prowess. Um, I think um, Jimmy Torre is a top scorer with 12, and he does well. He's done well to get 12 goals from playing in a predominantly wide position. He creates a lot of problems for defenders, but there's not always the end product there. However, they're in very, very good hands now in Dave Challenger. So, we're going to look at the FA Trophy now. And all the games on Saturday were played to a finish, so there was no replays. But a very interesting day in the FA Trophy. People poo-poo the competition, but it's at this stage now where teams maybe start to sniff Wembley. And none more so than Royston. They've done it again, haven't they, Rob? And all right, Ebsleet might have bigger fish to fry, but that's still a cracking result for them. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw it, really. Um, I thought yesterday might prove to be... A bit of escapism from Ebbsfleet, from the battle of retaining their National League status week in, week out. I mean, Royston have shown they've got a cup shock or two in them this season. 
But I really didn't think they'd have the firepower to go and win away from home at Ebbsfleet. And, you know, that, that, they sunk to a new low yesterday. But let's focus on uh, on Royston because it's not the first time they've done it this season, boys, is it? No, they've beaten Bournemouth and Chester they beat in previous rounds, haven't they? Yeah, I was going to say that's a, yeah with the two teams they've beaten previously. You know they've not they've not knocked out teams that are, are scuffling towards the bottom of uh, leagues above them. You know in in both of those teams they've knocked out very good sides. So um, I suppose the the warnings were there for for Ebb's fleet, but um, yeah maybe they had their mind on other things. The big thing as well is those two previous victories were at home. They actually went away and won yesterday, which shows that they're not just a team who's strong at home as well. They can go and mix it away from home. Yeah, full credit to Royston, really, because they were giant killed themselves earlier on in the season. Beaten at home by Malden and Tiptree, of course, went on to beat Leighton Orient as well. But uh, that's a really good example in football of uh, learning. Uh, learning from defeat and learning from what that felt like to be giant killed. Turning it round to take the three massive scalps for a club like Royston Town. Full credit to them. And we'll wait and see who they get in the draw. Yeah, they could well get another step four side in Hales Owen, who pulled off another brilliant result at Halifax, Dickie, didn't he? It's a fantastic result for them. Yeah, sensational result for, for Hales Owen. You know, I, I, I wish them, as I've said to you just, I, I, I wish them um, all the luck in the world going there. And, and obviously, as a Midland side, I wanted them to do much. But in the back of my head, I did think <clears throat> that it might perhaps be, be one game too far. But no, they've, they've, they've pulled out another fantastic result. Uh, Jamie Molyneux with the winner for, for Hales Owen and, and they march on. Yeah, and it might not be the worst result in the world for Halifax. It allowed, the small squad, it allows them to concentrate on that playoff push. But still, I'm sure Pete Wilde would have uh, wanted a, a decent shot at, at Wembley. But as it is, uh, they don't go any further in the competition and neither do Chelmsford Rob who got knocked out by Avely. I know we had Darren on last week and he was a bit wary of going there and uh, I, I did WhatsApp him last night and he said despite his disappointment he was really pleased to see how much it meant to Avely. Huge result for Avely, and uh, I don't know them well enough to have you know considered whether they might have had a chance of doing that yesterday. Obviously Chelmsford have changed management. They're pretty inconsistent themselves at the moment. But nevertheless, you'd think the differential in leagues would have been enough to see them through. Um, Avery took a, an early lead through Reed, uh, But the Evergreen, Chris Welpdale levelled things up with 11 minutes to go at that point. You thought, well, maybe Chelmsford would have gone on and win it, or at least it'll go to extra time. But no, a trophy kept Avery in the trophy. There you go. They got the lead from Reed. And a trophy kept him in the trophy. And word two for Nzengo, who got the final one. I can't think of anything that rhymes with Nzengo. No. He's, he's even do, he's outdone you there, Dickie, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I'm racking my brains, but no, there's nothing's coming to mind immediately, I'll be honest. I know we had uh, we put a poll out there as well about Harrogate and Eastley, who you thought would win. It was really tight. Harrogate just edged it in the poll, and, and they edged it. On Saturday as well, beating Har- beating Eastley by two goals to nil in that all National League tie. Yeah, I wasn't too surprised at that result. I thought Harrogate would have too much for Eastley at home. Alex Bradley and Jack Emmett with the goals, uh, one in each half, uh, and a solid win for Simon Weaver's men. And uh, you know, I said last week it might 
probably be a little bit too much for them to close the gap on Barrow. But uh, I tell you what, if they could make the playoffs in that second position and maybe do what File did and get to the trophy final at Wembley, what a fantastic day out it would be for uh, everybody from Harrogate. Yeah, and another team who, who need a boost and would maybe enjoy going to Wembley, one of the two ex-league sides. It was Yeovil Town against Notts County. It was another game that we put a poll out on and we had 56% of the vote going towards Notts County and they they would prove right. Two goals to one win by Notts County down at Yeovil. Yeah, probably a little bit more comfortable than it looks from the scoreline as well. They led from the seventh minute county through Rawlinson. Kyle Wooten inevitably uh, doubled that lead with some 20 minutes to go. And uh, Courtney Duffers got one back, but it wasn't enough for Yeovil. What it means, funnily enough, is that uh, the planned live TV game on VT Sport on the 1st of March, Notts County against Aldershot, will now be postponed because the FA Trophy takes precedent. I know an awful lot of Aldershot supporters who had set up for their annual tour of duty. I'm too happy about that. But personally, I'm a relieved man because I shall be away skiing in Austria. And another, the final poll that we ran on Twitter was all about the birds and the bees, as it said. And it Barnet met Barrow. And do you think Barnet, uh, do you think Barrow will be too upset at this one, Rob, losing three goals to nil at Barnet? Put it this way, they've got some great consolation, haven't they? Being seven points clear at the top of the National League. This one was tight for a very, very, very long time until Shay Alexander broke the deadlock just after the hour mark. And uh, it obviously stunned Barrow because Barnett tripled their lead uh, within eight minutes. And you can probably guess the other two goal scorers' names, listeners. The two double-figures marksmen for, uh, for Barnett getting themselves FA Trophy goals as well. Simeon Akinola and Josh Walker. Uh, a real morale-boosting win for Barney. I said they were looking more and more equipped for a playoff push the other week. Uh, I thought that they might possibly replace Bromley in the top seven, and that result would only seem to confirm uh, the possibility. Yeah, I know it's only an FA Trophy game and it's only an FA Trophy result for them, but psychologically, that'll be a really big result for them, won't it, to say, look, we've beaten the National League leaders and we've beaten them well. It's been a bad week for Barrow, though. They made a long trek down to Dover on Tuesday night. Had the first defeat in, I think, 15 games, losing by two goals to one down at Dover. Then the, the team bus broke down, so they had to get on the supporters' bus and sit with the supporters. And they eventually got home, I think, about 7am. Not the best week for Barrow and what's been a, a, a fantastic season for them so far. Just a quick, just a quickie. Yeah, I mean, if they bounce back next week with victory in the league, all will be forgiven and forgotten. Um, at the moment, though, as you say, uh, you know, it's amazing how quickly things can change in football. And not so much the coach breaking down, which I guess is the kind of thing that could happen, sadly, at any time. But um, the fact that yesterday for them, regardless of the competition, Ian Everett will have been talking about responding, uh, showing a reaction from the defeat to Dover in midweek. And uh, they didn't do it. They lost without scoring. They lost heavily as heavily as they've lost all season. And now we really do wait and see if Everett can get a response from Barrow next week. Yeah, the other intriguing game, it was on it was on Live Sports FM, if you had a chance to listen. I know we uh, we retweeted out about it. It was Dorking against AC Fylde. I saw Dorking in the last round when they destroyed Stockport County in a replay. And he took the lead in this one against Fylde, but Fylde bounced back and that extra 
division class, despite Fylde being down at the bottom, uh, saw them through and the holders are still in the competition. Yeah, and that's the key point for me, you know, Luke. Jim Bentley might be new there, but Fylde as a football club are the holders. And, uh, you know, they came from behind yesterday to lead, uh, you know, with a goal from uh, Neil Byrne, who, 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 who came off with injury early on in that uh, FA Trophy final. So a little bit of laying the ghost to rest there for him. Greeks levelled for Dawkins. You're into the final 30 minutes. Who really wanted it most? Who could produce the goods? Well, Nick Horton had a great day. He grabbed two goals. Jordan Williams, the top scorer, got one as well. And that'll be a huge boost for Fylde. I only wish they could have picked up a few points for it because their position in the league is looking more and more precarious by the Yeah, I'm guessing it did happily swap. Um, a couple of FA Trophy results for uh, for three points or six points if it's a couple of games. But yeah, um, they'll march on and it'll give them confidence. And they, they hopefully, like I say, we're looking to take that now into their league form. The final game in the FA Trophy that we're going to look at was a National League South versus North clash. And normally the North win Dicky, but on Saturday it was Concord who put the brakes on Leamington. Yeah, they did. Uh, National League North side's got a good. Um uh, reputation in the competition in recent years of course we had Brackley Town winning it I think North Ferriby winning it when they were a National League North side my own side Telford went to the semi-finals last year and it was Leamington flying the flag this year but they've uh, they've not been able to carry it through into the last eight um, sounded like a really topsy-turvy game um, Concord led um, uh, Leamington levelled it before the end of normal time, so as there was no extra time, as extra time and, and penalties had been agreed, it went to to extra time. A goal each in extra time took its penalty kicks, and then if you look on social media, you'll see that all over it, um, Concord goalkeeper Chris Hague's decisive penalty save is there, and it's that that's seen them through four three from the penalty spot. Yeah, and they flew into the, they flew into the next round. They did, yeah. I, I, we, I saw Concord. I've actually seen both of these sides this season because Telford had a pre-season friendly down at, at Concord in July. And I, I think the teams changed quite a lot since then. Um, but yeah, a, a, a terrific result for them. They march on. Um, disappointment for Leamington. I think it's probably the furthest they've they've gone in the competition. Um, and I, clearly, they would have wanted to go further. Um, the whole penalties uh, and extra time thing, it makes me uh, curious as to, you know, obviously we can't know at the moment, but as to did did any of these teams approach the game any differently yesterday, knowing that it was a one-off game rather than being a chance of a replay? It'd be interesting to find that out. I'm guessing it's just a case of they put out stronger sides, really, rather than having to rest a few players and think we've got an unnecessary replay. They, they could go full throttle in it. And I'm guessing that's why we've seen some of the results we have as well. Yeah, I think quite possibly so. That, um, you know, rather than, you know, hedging your bets, you've got one shot at it, haven't you? And, um, you know, certainly for the likes of Royston, Hales, Owen, Avely, they had their, their shot at it yesterday and they took it and they, and they march on. And if the draw's kind to them tomorrow, then, you know, you do start getting excited about Wembley at this point. There's, there's no denying that one. I know how I felt this time last year and, um, and and people from those clubs will all be feeling exactly the same way and um, you know you, you're walking around on, on cloud nine for a while but um, yeah be interested to see what the what the draw throws up Only one team left from step two now and that is Concord all the National League North sides 
are out. All the National League South sides are now out, barring Concord. So it's either going to be a National League team you get their hands on the trophy, or, as I say, a shocking maybe Hales Owen or Royston. Yeah, I mean, if the draw tomorrow was to pair the four National League sides against one another in the quarterfinals, then, you know, you, you, it's it's another step towards a, a team from below step two. Uh, possibly having a Wembley appearance. And yeah, the draw will be made on Monday lunchtime. So if your team's still in that, then keep your your beady eyes on that draw. We're going to look now at the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, well, Dickie Kingsland didn't play, but Ian Culverhouse will have still enjoyed his Saturday evening because the closest challenge is York despite taking the lead through Kurt Willoughby, lost again at really informed Boston. Yeah, they did. There have been a number of instances this season where Kings Lynn almost, it must almost feel like they've won, even though they haven't played. And that was uh, potentially the case again yesterday. They were due to face Lamington, who, of course, we've just mentioned uh, in FA Trophy action. So that game's going to be replayed at some point. Um, but the second week in a row, York City were found themselves in a second against third battle last week. They, they're the team in second and they were uh, at home to third place Chester. They beat 4-2. Because of those results last week, Boston, their opponents yesterday, moved up into third. Um, and I, I actually fancied Boston to win this one yesterday and that's exactly what they did. Um, now, both of these sides have taken players from the National League recently to boost their promotion hopes. Both have taken forwards. Kurt Willoughby has gone to York from Fylde. And Frank Mulhern is at Boston on loan from Stockport for the rest of the season. Over 2,000 people in York Street for the game. And, and Willoughby put um, York ahead after just seven minutes. Uh, uh, a lob from 25 yards. But it was Mulhern who uh, started to sort of repay some, repay some of that face shown in him, who scored a deflected equaliser before the break. In the second half, Andy Thanodge hits the crossbar. The ball comes out to Brad Abbott to bury the rebound on 52 minutes. I've seen some uh, suggestion from people from York that they maybe felt that Abbott was offside, but Steve Watson wasn't having any of that, said, look, it's been given, can't do anything about that one. And then Thanodge himself curled in the third goal for the Pilgrims on 79 minutes, and they take all the points. Craig Elliott, thrilled with that, obviously, said we put in a big performance, but felt we deserved it, showed a lot of character. Um, and revealed that he'd, he'd changed the way that his Boston side line up in order to match up against York. He left out Jordan Thewlis, which if you know how well Jordan Thewlis is playing this season, that's that's a big call. But he played Mulhern up front with Knowles, played three at the back, um, and it worked. York now, I'm not sure they'll be looking over their shoulders too much, but I dare I say it, Boston, two games in hand on York and only six behind. So, um, you know, it's not just a case of, is anybody going to catch Kings Lynn? It's, it's, there's even the possibility there of, are York going to be caught? Yeah, and the big thing, the big thing Craig Elliott's mentioned about is uh, Boston is, is the squad. And uh, that, that's a big thing. And I think that's what he's doing really well this year, Dick, isn't it? Is he's keeping, they've got like really big name players who, who aren't always playing every week and it's keeping them happy. And he seems to be doing a good job of that. Yeah, he does. He mentioned that in his post-match interview. He said, well, uh, presumably questioned about bringing Frank Mulhern in and, and he, he, he spoke glowingly about his performance. And he said, well, you know, the, the, the look, the, the idea about having a squad with 
players of this quality in is to use them. You know, he just, he's not going to bring players in um, and then just keep playing the same eleven every week. And and yeah, I would think as long as they're getting results like yesterday, and as you know, as long as they're they're looking upwards rather than down, which they most certainly are, then then yeah, I think players generally will be. Um, Everybody wants to play, but I think they'll be content that they're playing their part in in something a bit bigger. And I think that that's a big thing. If you can get that as a manager, then um, I think you're well on the way to to success. And I know I know Rob wants us to point out that he actually predicted Boston not to just make the playoffs but win them. So uh, he's he's feeling quite smug at the minute because he, he it's looking good for Boston. They're flying, aren't they? And, and they played Darlington at home on Tuesday, uh, and they're really strong at home. The only team to beat them at home is Kings Lynn. Yeah, they are. That that home record's um, proving invaluable for them. You know, we, you say if you if you win the majority of your home games and then can pick up points on the road as well, then then you you you're certainly looking at being a playoff contender. And and Boston most definitely are that. Could they possibly catch Kings Lynn? I would think that's maybe a little bit of a stretch too far. But you know, I know there's a big rivalry between the two. Um, uh, they might fancy it, but. But certainly, that the the, the 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 top of the National League North now is, is is fascinating. It seems to change every week with with who's looking the strongest. Absolutely, and Chester got back to winning ways. They beat Blyde Spartans by two goals to one in the reverse fixture. Blyde beaten Chester quite easily, but a good response to a bad couple of weeks for Chester. Yeah, it is. It, um, I don't think it was necessarily as as easy. Uh, as maybe some Chester fans thought it might be, so so, so got to give credit to Blythe on that score. Particularly the fact that Blythe played quite a lot of the part, large part of the game with only ten men. Um, Chester ahead on twelve minutes through Quasi Asante, but then um, Blythe have got Shane Blaney on loan from Doncaster Rovers, sent off on his debut for what sounded like a fairly poor tackle on George Glendon. Presumably he's going to be facing uh, a three-match suspension now for a straight red, um, and and that really put. Blythe behind, uh, uh, you know, needing snookers there. To be perfectly honest, um, Blythe have got Macaulay Langstuff on loan from York. Um, he wasn't able to do anything, and then Chester added a second goal on 70 minutes. Ollie Scott got a goal back late for Blythe, but ultimately that one went the way that people expected it to, even if maybe it wasn't by the margin they expected it to be. Two playoff contenders met up in the northeast, and it finished Spennymore nil, Brackley nil, and not one for the purest. I'm guessing. It doesn't sound like it would be the most thrilling of games. And I suppose if you're looking at that, um, you as a, as a Brackley fan, and there were, there were eight Brackley fans at the game yesterday, and Spenny Moore um, made that when they did the attendance announcement. But, you know, let's be clear, it's a really long way up there. Those eight Brackley fans will be travelling home probably much happier. Um, getting a point away at Spenny Moore is, is a, a fairly decent result for any team, I would say. Uh, and Brackley have just had a, a few little wobbles of late, so they'll have been um, relieved to have come through that one and, and, and come through it unbeaten. A surprising result, really. Altingham against Kettering. Now, we watched Altingham together against Telford on Tuesday, and it was a really open game. And They beat Kettering a couple of weeks ago, Altingham, but uh, you feel Kettering will be kind of really sort of physical and in the faces and hard to beat, and, and so it proved. 
Yeah, it did. This was one of the more surprising results of the day. Um, Altrincham won, Kettering won, and and Kettering led for quite a, a portion of the game as well. Daniel and T put them ahead, um, but Toby Malarkey uh, equalised for the Robins in the second half, and it sounded as if. Um, you're right, they did play one another a couple of weeks ago and Altrincham came away with a 2-0 win from that game. Um, whether that aided Kettering's cause in that they they had had a chance to see how Altrincham play quite recently and were able to come up with, with a plan to counteract them, I, I don't know. But um, however it, however they went there and played, it was good enough to get them a draw. And um, yeah, another decent result for Paul Cox's side. And another good result for Gateshead, who seems to be back on track. They had a wobble a couple of weeks ago, but they've had three good wins now. A, a, a hard-fought 1-0 win at Curzon Ashton. Yeah, they're going along quite nicely, Gateshead. I think we spoke about them last week as, as going under the radar a little bit, but they've, they've slipped into the, the playoff positions. Um, we do have to remind people they are still one of the full-time sides in this division. So, um, you know, we've spoken about that being of a potential benefit for them as the as the season heads down the stretch. And yeah, a 1-0 win yesterday. Um, is it Rory Keating, the name? I'm, I'm... Yeah, Rory, yeah, is how you say it. It's spelt Rory, but it's Rory, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw it this morning and had nightmares thinking I'm going to have to pronounce that, but it was very helpfully given a point to say it's it's Rory. And uh, yeah, I think that's his second goal uh, since joining the club and, and that was enough to secure them a 1-0 win yesterday. Um, doesn't do an awful lot for Curzon Ashton, keeps them down towards the bottom four. Um, but just uh, ahead, I think, of... Uh, Gloucester and Blythe Spartans down at the bottom of the table. Obviously, we know Bradford Park Avenue, a rock bottom, will be coming down to them in a moment. Yeah, Rory Keating, the nephew of Ronan Keating, of course, for those who didn't know that. Is that correct? It is correct, yeah. Well, I didn't know that, Luke. I was going to remark that you say it best when you say nothing at all, but <laughs> I left it. That's probably what people say about this podcast when they like say Luke should just say nothing at all and just let them get on with it. <laughs> I, do, I do, I do hope not. I do hope right. not. We'll look at Farsley next, who are just outside the playoff places. There, they were up against resurgent Alfreton, and Alfreton have got seven points now in the last three games, and a good point up at Farsley. Yeah, Alfreton uh, are enjoying the uh, the Danny Elliott effect. He's on loan to them from Chester. Um, I think remarked that he got a, a hat trick for them in his first game, a goal in his second game. And another goal in his third game yesterday. That's five in three for him. And uh, yeah, he gave them the lead at Farsley yesterday. But um, Adam Clayton headed an equaliser for Adam Lakeland's men to, to secure them a point. Um, you'd imagine that Alfredton are the happier of the two sides with that result. Um, Farsley probably still harbouring hopes of making a, a, a run to get into the, 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 the last couple of playoff places, I would have thought. But, but that result doesn't help them very much. Interesting story that came out of Farsley this week, Dickie, about the goalkeeper Kyle Trenery. Yes, he was. I think I, I spotted this one on Friday evening and told you about it. Um, apparently, he's he's been out of the side through injury. Um, certainly didn't play when, when I was there with Telford a couple of weeks ago. Um, but um, transpires, he, he actually turned out in goal for a Sunday league team. Um, when he told uh, Fosley Celtic that he was injured, apparently. Um, and I, I, I don't think it was an isolated incident. Um, there was a statement from the club, Adam Lakeland sort of referred to him having had a number of chances, and that, and this was the final one. And uh, yeah, he's been released from his uh, his contract at, at Fosley Celtic and is now looking for another club. 
So just below that is our Southport and Darlington both got draws away from home at teams that were a bit out of form in Hereford and Kidderminster. Yeah, they did. There were quite a lot of draws yesterday, particularly for those teams in the in the mid table in National League North. So there weren't that many teams that, that took the opportunity to to move up. Darlington got a one one draw away at Agra against Kidderminster. Uh, Will Hatfield put them ahead on fifty eight minutes. Alex Prosser equalised for the Harriers three minutes later, and that was the scoring done. That was a, a honours even there. Um, a much different or a very different draw from that down at Edgar Street though in the game between Hereford and Southport. Um, started off with a really lengthy delay after a clash of heads between Kyle Finn for the Bulls and Zen Mohammed of Southport. Both of those players um, uh, received head injuries and, and had to leave the game at that point. And there is, there is a photograph of the stitches in Kyle Finn's head, which is going around on social media if anybody uh, wants to see the gory details of that one. Um, but yeah, George Newell then gave Southport the lead just before half-time. Then, with Hereford trying to get back into the game, they had Jordan Cullen and Libert, their centre-half, sent off quite late in the game. That took them down to 10 men. Jack Sampson then put Southport 2-0 up, and they must have thought, that's it, game over, done and dusted. But off the substitutes bench, Kelsey Mooney, two goals, I think the second one in something like the fifth minute of added time, and Hereford rescue a point from that one, which looked very, very unlikely, probably only about 10 minutes earlier when they went 2-0 down and, and, and were only had 10 men. Yeah, I think that's the two home games in a row now where they've got late, late equalisers, isn't it, for Hereford? And it just shows that maybe Josh Gowlin's has instilled a, instilled a bit of spirit in there. Yes, it is. I mean, you can look at this two ways. There's that. There's the. There's a point of view that says, well, ideally, you you don't go behind and need to be in that situation. But when you are in that situation, showing some spirit, showing some fight, um, and uh, I think there's a number of players in the Hereford side who have possibly been out of favour under Russell Slade. We spoke about Tom Owen Evans being brought back from loan at Cheltenham, uh, not Cheltenham, Chippenham Town. Um, uh, Brad May as well, he impressed me earlier in the season when they played Telford. He's been missing, but he played again yesterday. Um, and whether that's kind of just restored a bit of that fighting spirit to the side, I don't know, but they, they certainly showed some of that yesterday. It's hotting up down at the bottom, that Blythe defeat coupled with Gloucester winning. They picked up a much-needed win in a six... Well, not a six-point or such against Bradford Park, can you? Because they're quite well adrift. But Blyde still feel as though they had a, a chance of catching Gloucester. And like you say, um, that'll have been um, a bit of a blow to Blyde to see that Gloucester then won after their defeat. Yes, it will. And that is a big result for, for Gloucester and James Rowe. I know we, we, we speak quite a lot about James Rowe on here because um, I think Rob knows him quite well from from time spent down there um and and he's been i wouldn't say desperate for a win but uh, apparently he was um there's you know he was thrilled to bits with that result that they got yesterday uh bernard mentor gave gloucester the lead uh liam brunt added a second bradford got a goal back through liam hughes and i think they struck the post late on through lewis knight as well but they've managed to hold on for a, a 2-1 win, and that, that that's much needed for Gloucester. Um, as for Avenue, well, it, we are starting to get to the point now where, with the games counting down, I think only 12 games left, um, they, they're going to need something miraculous. Um, you know, I think there's something like 15 points adrift of Gloucester in... Um, 
tw- uh, which place are we in? It'll be 20th place this season with there being only two relegation places. You know, only 12 games to play, 15 points adrift. It doesn't take a genius to work out that if teams above them continue to pick up the odd point here and there and Avenue can't, that, you know, within the space of another four or five games or so, um, we, we could be formally saying goodbye to them, which which is a shame because I do enjoy my tips to Bradford Park Avenue, but, but for, for, for whatever reasons this season, they just got off to a dreadful start and it's just really not got any better. No, it hasn't. And... The game, there's a game on Monday evening, isn't it, Dicky, which has permutations at both ends of the table. Kingsley make a really long trip to Gloucester and teams at the top and bottom will be having their eyes on that one. Yes, they will. I think there's five midweek games this week. I think there's four on Tuesday. You mentioned the Boston-Darlington one. That's probably the pick of Tuesday night's games. Um, and yeah, a really long trip on a Monday night. We we presume it's on a Monday because of um, Gloucester's ground-sharing arrangement with, with Evesham. All the way down to Gloucester tomorrow evening. Um, and it's a chance for, for Kings Lynn to, to start cashing in some of those games in hand and turning that back into to points on the board. I think a, a win tomorrow would put them back four ahead of York again with two games in hand. But equally, Gloucester will be buoyed by that yesterday. Um, they, they need the points just as much for other reasons. So, you know, as we know, there's, there's no such thing as a sure thing in National League North. Any team seems capable of beating any other. Yeah, and that's what happened with your side, Dickie, wasn't it? Inform Geisley took on Telford, who'd been a bit in and out in recent weeks. Gavin Cowan, I know in that podcast called Telford a bit of a contradiction of a club in recent weeks. And that's what happened yesterday, a, a good result up at Geisley. Yeah, it was. I would imagine Geisley might have preferred it. Uh, well, they might have preferred not to have seen Telford at all because that's their third defeat to them in three games this season. Um, but uh, Geisley's current good form is built on a run of eight away games without defeat. So maybe they would have actually preferred to be been away yesterday. But they were at home at Nethermore and they got the lead as well. Um, Kennedy Diggy, I think it is, gave them the lead on 35 minutes. Um, just a goal from a a set piece that Telford didn't deal with and a goal down at half time but two goals in the second half from Marcus Dinanga the first a header just on the hour when he, he just managed to get there in front of the keeper and nod it over him and then a second goal four minutes from time slightly fortunate deflection to run to him but you've got to be in the right place at the right time and, and he took his chance really well um, beat the Geisley goalkeeper Brad Wade who's making his first game playing his first game for them on loan. And yeah, they come away with three points. Excellent stuff. We're going to look at the National League South next. How are you? How are you really? Modern life's busy, but it's important to take care of yourself. Making small changes to your lifestyle now could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. See how you score on our How Are You quiz and get free tips and support from how to eat a little healthier to getting more active. Just search one U. So in the National League South, Wheelstone march on. They beat Jamie O'Hara's Billericke. Billericke beating Wheelstone just over a month or so ago. But uh, Wheelstone wreaked revenge on Saturday. Yeah, and that would have really hurt Jamie O'Hara because he's had to say goodbye to some quality players this season. And it wasn't just a case of one striker coming back to haunt him yesterday, but both the scoring opening by uh, Moses Emmanuel and then two goals from Ross Lafayette. It must have been bittersweet even for them. Obviously, they're firmly Wheelstone players now. But all three goals coming from ex-Billericke strikers, and that one will have hurt a little bit more than usual. 
keeping up the pressure in second place are Slough. That, that was a really good win away at Welling because Welling have been in, in really good form since Brad Quinton's gone into there and, and Slough have done the job again. Yeah, 2-1 away from home. You can't argue with it. Both goals from Roberts, either side of James's goal for Welling, a precious three points for Slough. All they can do is win their games. Obviously, there is that uh, seven-point differential behind Wilston. Um, I think they won one and lost one in the games over Christmas New Year, didn't they, against the, against the league leaders. So that didn't ultimately kind of prove anything. But they're keeping the pressure up. If Wilston should slip, then Slough will look to uh, take full advantage. If not, they're looking a good bet for, uh, for second place. Haven't and Waterlooville, they couldn't make any ground on Wheelstone. No, nil-nil at home to Dulwich Hamlet and they finished with 10 men as well in that game. Yeah, a really good point that for Dulwich Hamlet. One that uh, most people wouldn't have thought they'd have got and haven't, yet again, not quite proving to be um, at the right level consistently to go on and be uh, title winners. Looks like they might have to be content with the position in the playoffs. But one little caveat there. To be fair, Simon Walton sent off towards the end of the first half and uh, I think when you go down to 10 men uh, to keep a clean sheet by the end of the game you have to be reasonably satisfied with a uh, a point from that game in the end Yeah and that meant Weymouth could move a bit closer to Hemel Hempstead although they'll, dis- they'll be disappointed that they could only draw it home to East Bourne Borough although they were 1-0 down at half time Yeah Greg Lua putting the visitors ahead and then, I guess, normal service resumed for Weymouth, who's just been uh, held up a little bit of late. One or two too many draws and the odd defeat, but uh, Baggy and McCarthy appeared to have turned things around for them. They led with seven minutes to go. But uh, Charlie Walker popping up with a vital goal for Eastbourne uh, in the 95th minute. Another one of those uh, draws that will feel like a win for the visitors. Yeah, and talking of winning for the visitors, two cracking results down near the bottom of the table, which has affected teams looking to get in the playoffs or are in the playoffs as well. Chippenham, massive win for them away at Hemel Hempstead. Yeah, a couple of incredible results that you just wouldn't have seen coming. I think we're entering the silly season, boys, aren't we? We talk about it every year. When sides that are way down the bottom, fighting for their lives of relegation, start pulling off wins against sides sometimes that are even in the top seven. And it just proves that the desperation to stay in the league and avoid relegation probably slightly outweighs the desire to finish high in the playoffs, doesn't it? Uh, Jarvis with the goal, the key goal for Chippenham there, just nine minutes from time. And a huge three points for them. Although they will have been a little bit flattened when they come into the dressing room and saw that uh, relegation rivals St Albans went to Bath of all teams and won 3-0. Yeah, what, what, that's a result of the day. Although Bath have been out of form... St Albans aren't exactly been ripping up any trees this season and I know Ian Allenson said, was was really pleased with it and he, he singled out a lot of individuals and said um, Joe um, I got his name wrong last week Joe Jacofino uh, <laughs> he did really well he scored an individual solo goal brilliant and he said it was his best performance of the season and, and yeah he was really really pleased with it and he, he wants him to build on this now What about the first goal score in that game Luke? you can have a go at his name what happened to Okay. Noabuoka, yeah. There we go. Yeah, he scored on 20 minutes and 
Iacofino on 34 minutes and Banton on 71 minutes. And I know the third goal as well was a good team goal by all accounts as well. Uh, something else Ian Allison mentioned. And it just gives everyone a bit of a sniff in that playoff place. Bath are still in there in, in fifth. They're, uh, they're pretty comfortable in there. Maidstone are eight points behind them currently. But down at the bottom now, St Albans have leaped out of that relegation zone. Tombridge have dropped into it. The two points clear of Tombridge now, St Albans and Chippenham are on 29 points, a point behind that. So really tight down at the bottom. Yeah, tight at the bottom, but a wretched, wretched day for Ian Herring to Hungerford. Firstly, you know, nothing within their own control. No game to play because of FA Trophy pictures elsewhere. And now they find themselves not just seven points behind Tunbridge who've got three games in hand but nine points sorry eight points off safety with both Chippenham and St Albans winning yesterday and it's starting to look ever increasingly an impossible task for Hungerford I don't think Ian's given up that yet though he won't give up till the fat lady's singing Absolutely not. And Braintree, they're being sucked back into it again. They lost 1-0 at Maidstone. As I said, that keeps Maidstone. They are four points off the off Dartford in seventh, but they do have three games in hand on Dartford. So Maidstone, with the full-time state, still, they'll, they'll still feel confident that they can get in there and cause, cause some problems in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of a gap. They're four points off it, but uh, as you say, a couple of games in hand. And it would be a major disappointment for Maidstone this season, given where they've come from, uh, given who the you know the, the experienced management team that they've got, um, a decent squad, and uh, yeah, I mean, possibly the only thing that could go against them might be that sheer pressure every week to achieve results to finish uh, in the top seven. But uh, you know, even if they do that now, um, realistically, it could be a long way to the playoff final, couldn't it, with uh, a couple of games to be played, possibly both of them away from home. Yeah, absolutely. And we mentioned about Dartford. They slipped up at home to Hampton and Richmond Borough on Saturday. Luke Winadio opened the scoring for the Darts, but Danny Orsi Dodomo, he equalised on at 26 minutes before Richard Hill bagged the winner. And then Elliot Remain, well, he didn't remain on the field for the last 20 minutes as he was sent off in the second half. And, Dartford stopped in the tracks. They've had a good run under Steve King. They have had a decent run. They've slowed a little bit of late. But Hampton and Richmond, I haven't got the form guide in front of me. But they really are putting some results together now. And uh, we'll see the demo on the, on the score sheet again. Yeah, Hampton, they've won four of the last five. Um, that that defeat, The only defeat came against Slough, the game that Tom saw the other week. So as you say, Rob, they are flying. And again, they're level on points. With Maidstone, albeit having played a game more, but they have got two games in hand on Dartford, so they'll fancy a little sniff at the playoffs, won't they? Yeah, there's, a, there's plenty of football to be played and plenty of positions in the playoffs up for grabs. Talking of uh, Tom, as Tom Lang uh, of the podcast team, uh, he's away again at the minute, but he's due back in a month or so's time, and I'm, I'm, I'm told this morning, hot news, he's going to be at the Haven and Waterlooville against Slough game when he comes back in a month or so. Yeah, so there you are. If you uh, want to spot one of the NL full-time team, get yourself down to Haven't on that date. And uh, I think that game's been called off three times already, so it'll be fourth time lucky all, all being well. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Cheers, Dickie. Cheers, Rob. Pleasure as always, Luke. Yeah, no, very welcome, Luke. Good to speak to you as always. Cheers. And don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. 
drop us an email, nlfulltime at gmail.com. And don't forget to click subscribe as well. And then you can get the podcast every week through iTunes and Spotify. Until then, happy football watching and we'll see you all very soon.